What do black beans, bean cherries, avocado, and nuts have in common? Any guesses? These foods fight inflammation in the body, but isn't inflammation a good thing? Or is it a not so good thing? Let's talk about the type of inflammation you don't want in your body and how you can fight it with food coming up. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 47. Most of my career, I've worked in some type of media, particularly radio, where I did morning drive nutrition spots for over 18 years. That's what led me to start podcasting and ultimately to you. I created Bariatric Surgery Success to provide you with life-changing information based on science, along with simple strategies and tools to help you be successful in your transformation and your entire journey. I'm so happy you've connected with me. You're in the right place, and I'm glad you're listening. I want to give a big shout out and say thank you this week to Lalura Mesha, and by the way, I'm just going to botch these usernames, but hopefully you know who you are. I so appreciate your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and it says, awesome, great podcast for bariatric nutrition. It's a quick podcast that is packed full of information. Have a pen and paper handy to write down some of the great tips. Well, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one who takes notes these days, and I'm happy you like the quick format. Thank you for taking time to post the review. 210 million. That's the number of results that came up on Google when I searched the words inflammation and diet. Inflammation can be a good thing or a not so good thing. Inflammation is good if it's short term, such as when you cut yourself and your immune system sends in white blood cells to jumpstart the healing process. Inflammation is not so good when it becomes chronic or ongoing inflammation in your body. This type of inflammation, which is in invisible to your eye, gets all the media attention because it's been implicated as an underlying cause of many common diseases from heart disease and autoimmune illness like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis to some cancers, diabetes, and even stroke. Chronic inflammation can damage your blood vessels. It increases your risk then for heart problems. In cancer, inflammation can damage your genes or increase the development of blood vessels that lets cancer cells spread and grow. And did you know that chronic inflammation and obesity are linked too? So what kind of link is it? Recent studies have shown that obesity may be causing chronic inflammation, which in turn causes insulin resistance. Insulin is a hormone and it helps your cells take up sugar. So if your body becomes resistant or resistant to insulin, your blood glucose or blood sugar remains high. Insulin resistance could be a factor in both diabetes and weight gain. These effects make obesity and inflammation. It's, a, it's like a case of chicken and the egg. Which comes first? Obesity causes inflammation and chronic inflammation can eventually lead to obesity. 
So this inflammation in the body, it raises the level of a marker known as C-reactive protein. You may have heard it called CRP for short. So the liver produces this CRP during periods of inflammation. It makes sense that if the body has chronic inflammation going on, the CRP level will be elevated. So doctors measure this level of general inflammation in the body with a blood test called high sensitive or high sensitivity C-reactive protein or HSCRP for short. The good news from all of this is that diet can play a role here. First though, something really important to know, numerous foods, and you will see this on the internet all over, numerous foods being touted to single-handedly fight inflammation, but that's just not how it works. For your diet to have an anti-inflammatory effect, the key is not to focus on a single food or food component. The ultimate success of the anti-inflammatory diet approach, it's based on synergy. Okay. Think of your favorite team. Is it basketball? Like for me, I love the Tennessee Vols, the Tennessee Lady Vols. Soccer, football, whatever it is, to win and to continue to win, the team must do what? That's right, they've got to work closely together. In the same way, the synergistic effect of nutrients and bioactive compounds consumed together from a variety of healthy foods provides the best anti-inflammatory outcome. More good news is that inflammation can be reduced with a diet that includes lots of these anti-inflammatory foods. Remember, these foods are for you after surgery, when you've progressed through those various diet phases and now you eat a regular diet. So let's talk about seven of these anti-inflammatory foods and food components, starting with number one. So garlic, herbs, and spices. These contain various anti-inflammatory phytochemicals. So phytochemicals, that's a word I'm gonna use over and over. It basically means naturally occurring plant nutrients. We don't know exact amounts yet. So until that's determined, in your diet, just include things like fresh garlic, turmeric, ginger, oregano, rosemary, thyme, pepper, just part of your daily diet. In fact, did you try the golden turmeric and ginger latte that my intern Pachea created? It's great for a cozy day. I'll put the link in the show notes or just go to the website breakingdownnutrition.com. You'll find it under recipes. Number two, and this one may surprise you, fiber. Yes, fiber. It ranks as one of the most anti-inflammatory food components. Fiber is a type of carbohydrate that is not absorbed by your body, so it helps to keep you full without adding extra calories. So think of foods rich in fiber like whole grains, oatmeal, quinoa, whole wheat, nuts, fruits, vegetables. What about beans such as black kidney or garbanzo and lentils? Yes, also a good source of fiber and low on the glycemic index. So they help keep your blood sugar in check. And when you eat more beans and lentils, you tend to crave and eat less processed foods that have zero nutrition like cookies and cakes, chips, pastries, which by the way, can make your blood sugar level spike and have been tied to inflammation. And today I'm serving up a special little science 101. Beans and whole grains contain fermentable fiber. It may be particularly helpful to the microbiota of the colon. 
this fermentable fiber produces, and you'll hear this word in science and probably to come in the media because it's important. It produces butyrate. Butyrate is a fatty acid. Why do you care? It assists in maintaining the intestinal wall, but it also protects from substances that could increase inflammatory reactions. What does that mean? That means then when you have a diet rich in these various fiber foods, and again, as part of the allowed carbs that you can have in the bariatric plan, when you make these smart choices and you're choosing the carbs for your day, the smart ones that make a difference in your health after surgery, like beans and whole grains that produce this butyrate, do way more than just make you feel full and satisfied. They're helping your colon. They're helping this whole transformation of the body and your overall health. More than you ever wanted to know in Science 101 today. <laughs> okay, number three, vegetables and fruit. For best results and the best benefits, a wide variety of fruits and vegetables is the goal because they have a powerful assortment of naturally occurring, what was that word again? Phytochemicals or plant nutrients found in them. So the easy tip, choose a colorful combination of fruits and vegetables, and then you know you're getting a variety. Yes, you still need to limit to the portions or the amounts that fit into your specific plan for the day. Spinach, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, those are all good examples. Don't forget even bean cherries and tart cherries. The Agricultural Research Service has conducted studies for a while now on bean cherries and found that regular consumption lowers that CRP information marker in the body. And why? One of the phytonutrients, called anthocyanins, in tart cherries, and think about what gives cherries that bright red color. You know how when you bite into them, your fingers turn red, your lips and tongue turn red? That anthocyanin is the phytonutrient linked to reduce inflammation. So not just good flavor there, good benefit. Number four, seafoods such as tuna, salmon, and sardines are rich in omega-3 fats that play various roles in the body, but in our case today, suppressing inflammation. So eating fish once or twice a week, a smart goal. Number five, flax seeds, algae, walnuts, pumpkin seeds. These are plant sources of omega-3 fats. The plant source is called alpha-linolenic acid, or ALA for short, and it converts in your body to omega-3 fats. The issue is, is that conversion rate's low. It's only about 10 or 15%. So you can see that it's going to take a whole lot more to get the benefit that you would get from eating fish. Number six and number seven, avocados and nuts. Both are rich in monounsaturated fats, the more heart-healthy type of fat and both contain anti-inflammatory components. So eating these does a couple of things. Eating these helps you cut down on saturated fat, which can raise the lousy LDL cholesterol level, and they, it promotes inflammation. So when you cut down on saturated fat, you've benefited yourself there, plus you have the natural phytonutrients in nuts and in avocados. And bonus, both are filling, so help you feel satisfied. What's your big takeaway today? That's right, the big takeaway is that the secret to the success of the anti-inflammatory diet is the synergistic effect, or think of it as the team player effect. 
from a variety of foods like beans and lentils, herbs and spices, fruits and vegetables, nuts, avocado, fish, all rich in vitamins, minerals, healthy fats, phytonutrients, and the bioactive compounds that all help to fight inflammation. And remember, take care of you. You're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.